0: We're so glad that you've tuned in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Kathy Kuhn, and I'm the Counseling Director here at Rolling Hills. We're continuing in our series, A Beautiful Life, a study in First John in today's podcast, and we can't wait to dive into the rest of First John 2 with you. Now, here's Pastor Jeff.
1: Uh, well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. Wow, what a great morning of worship already, man. Just being in the Lord's presence, celebrating baptisms, and. Welcome everybody here, so glad you're here at our Franklin campus, if you're watching online from wherever you are in the city, the country, the world. God brought us all together today to hear from him and I am so thankful that you are here today. And also welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called A Beautiful Life. And we're talking about how do we live this Christian life out? We had this amazing Easter, right? And now we're talking about how do we live it each day? How do we become the men and women that God created us to be and live the life that God calls us to? And so in this series, we're looking at this book of the Bible called 1 John. And it was a letter that John the Apostle wrote to the churches. And I love that because this is John. Like this is the guy who was one of the disciples of Jesus, like walked with Jesus for three years, saw all the miracles happen firsthand. I mean, how cool would that have been, right? I mean, he heard Jesus teach. He heard Jesus preach. He was there. He was there at the cross when Jesus was crucified. And then he was there at the empty tomb. And then he saw the resurrected Jesus. I mean, imagine that, right? You watch him die, now you see him conquer death. I mean, how awesome. And John was there, and Jesus ascends into heaven. John is there when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and he becomes a leader of the early church. The church is growing, it's on fire. There's so many people coming to know Christ. All these children are there, I mean, people being baptized. It was exciting. And then persecution comes against the church, and John was taken off into exile on the island of Patmos. But then he's brought back later on his later years and he comes around, he's going to all the churches, he's seeing God move and God work. And now he's writing back to those churches. And, and what I love is when, as we we're reading First John, this is like, he's 85 or 90, some Bible scholars even believe 100 years old. And, and I love older people like that, right? I mean, like 85, 90, because they just don't really care what anybody else thinks, right? They're just gonna say it, you know? They're just gonna say it, you know? They're not worried about the superficial. They're not worried about the trivial, they're just gonna tell you. And they also kind of realize, you know, my time on earth is probably coming to an end soon. So I just want you to know how to live. I want you to understand. They tell you about their surgeries, right? You know, like your great-grandparents are like, hey, can you see this? And you're like, that's okay. You know, but, but they know, right? Like, hey, I know my time's coming. I want you to get this. I love you. I care about you. I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. Or I want you to know the truth. I want you to know what matters. And so you just see the heart of John poured out to the churches then and to us today, saying this is how you live a beautiful life. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to 1 John. It's toward the back of the Bible, right? You got First, and 2 Peter, First, Second, Third John, Jude and Revelation. If you need a Bible and you're here at Franklin, there's some in the back. If you're online, go to the Rolling Hills app and you can access the scriptures there. We'll also put the scripture on the screen. You can follow along with what God's word has to say. But, but we've been in this series. We started in 1 John chapter one and, And John basically says, stop sinning. And that's what he says, right? He's like, hey guys, your your life is looking more like the world than like Christ. So so stop, right? And we all struggle with sin. There's all these things that Satan wars against us. And, And yet he comes back and he says in verse nine of chapter one, he says, but if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So there's like, hey, align your heart with the heart of God. Live more like Christ than like the world And then we started, we just saw the first half of chapter two last week and he says this, keep growing, keep growing. Stop sinning and keep growing, right? Move from a spiritual child to a spiritual young man to a spiritual father or mother. Mature your walk with the Lord, right? And you see this call to grow and then we're gonna see the second half of chapter two today and he says, be ready, be ready. So pick up in verse 18. He says, dear children, right? When you're 85 or 90, everybody's a child to you, right? So dear children, this is the last hour. This is, and when he says last hour, he's talking about the end times. Like he's talking about this is the time, the end times, the last hour. Now John got that idea from Jesus. Jesus talked a lot about the end times. He talked about a lot about what was gonna happen and some signs for the end of times. And if you go to Matthew 24, you go to Mark 13 and Luke 21, right? and Jesus is talking about what it's gonna be like in the end times. And so he's talking about this. This is the last hour. And you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And the Antichrist is something that wasn't new, right? I mean, they had talked about even about in the Old Testament, there was I mean, somebody who sets himself up against God. And, and so he says, there's the Antichrist. And probably these early Christians are thinking, that's Emperor Nero, right? Who persecuted Christians, like had Christians thrown to the gladiators in the Colosseum. And I mean, this persecution, more, or later on, Diocletian, you know, or later on, you know, even like people thought Hitler or Stalin. But he's saying, there's the Antichrist who's coming, one who opposed oppose God. Even now, many antichrists have come. And he says, plural, like Antichrist, people who are against God, against the things of God. There's one big one, but there's lots of little ones. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So he's saying there was even some people in the church who came to church for a little bit and then they left and they are kind of opposing us. And He's like, no, no, no. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. You are different. You are set apart because of what God's done in your heart and in your life. And all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Christ literally means Messiah, Jesus Christ. Not Jesus' last name, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. So anybody who opposes that is against God. But you, right, Christ followers, he's writing to believers, he's writing to the church. And when you and I are united is when we make that confession of our faith. Jesus Christ is Lord, we see that at baptism, right? We see that in our salvation. When we say, Jesus Christ is Lord, I'm a part of the way, the truth. No one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So it's like bonus time, right? right? You have salvation, but you have a heavenly Father who is with you and for you. You have a heavenly Father who promises to provide for you, to protect you, to take care of you. Praise God. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. John goes, just realize this life is not all that there is. There is more to come. Yeah, you you have maybe 80, 90, 100 years on this earth, but there is eternity to come. And that's a lot longer, right? So you have eternal life in him. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. So his whole point here in chapter two is like, there's false teachers. There's people who are trying to lead you astray. If you remember, there was a a heresy going around called Gnosticism. He's like, no, 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 no. You hold on to God. Even today, there's people who try to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but it is his anointing teaches you about all things. And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as taught you, remain in him. He's like, come on, stay strong, church, be steadfast. Run this race marked out for you with perseverance. God's got a plan for you, God's got a purpose for you. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. I love that, we're confident and unashamed. Here comes Jesus, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. You can tell a tree by its fruit. So you look at a person's life, you can tell, man, they're following Christ, they're following Christ, or they're following the things of the world. So here we see at the end of chapter two, John is talking about the end times. He's talking about how it's all going to go down in the end. And, and I just kind of want to help us put that in perspective today to understand a little bit of the kind of of eternity and what is to come. Now think about this. When God created the world, it was perfect. Right? I mean, God created Adam and Eve. He put them in the Garden of Eden, and it was perfect. I mean, they were in right relationship with God. They were in right relationship with one another. They had this beautiful marriage. It was awesome. They're in the Garden of Eden. I mean, it is beautiful. There are waterfalls. There are no allergies. It is awesome, right? (laughs) Right? I mean, the animals are tame, like they're hanging out with the lions. And like, it, that would be cool. It was amazing. It was awesome for two chapters of the Bible. And then chapter three comes and man says, we don't wanna do it your way anymore, God, and sin. Right, sin. We've been doing that ever since, right? I don't wanna do it your way, God. I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna live my own. And so now you got a holy God and you got sinful man. But here's the good news. God didn't give up on them and God doesn't give up on us. So God set in motion a plan to redeem mankind. It's called the Old Testament. The Old Testament, right? The whole Old Testament is about man being redeemed by God, carved out, like God says, I'm gonna carve out. You're like, Abram, leave your country, your people, go to a land I will show you. I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky because I'm gonna redeem you. I'm gonna send the Messiah who will pay the price for you. So everything in the Old Testament is looking forward to the Messiah coming and the Messiah comes Jesus, and Jesus splits history in two. B.C., before Christ, A.D., Anno, Domini, the year of our Lord, and it all comes down to the cross, the cross. That God sent his one and only son to pay the price for your sins, for my sins, to redeem us, holy God, sinful man. Jesus stands in our place. Praise God. Now you have the New Testament, right? The New Testament comes, and everything in the New Testament is looking Back to the cross. The cross is the defining point of history. So we are living in this New Testament time. It's called the present church age, right? The Old Testament, about the Jewish people being carved out, the Messiah would come from the Jews. Then Jesus sends his son. And whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life, right? So now the Jews and the Gentiles, we're in this present church age. Now, we don't know how long this church age is going, so you kinda see the little squiggly line there. We don't know, but at some point, Jesus is gonna return. Now, if you die in the middle of this church age, right, you immediately go to heaven. We will stand before God. But at some point, there will come the tribulation. And the tribulation is seven years where it gets really hard and really difficult. And we got the Antichrist who shows up near the tribulation. I mean, it's seven years. And you can kind of see the lines because we don't know. It talks about in Scripture that Jesus is coming back for his church. He may come back, before the tribulation, pre-trib, right? And say, you don't have to go through all that suffering. You may come middle, in the middle of the tribulation, or you may come at the end. But at some point, after those seven years that are really hard in this earth, then we see this, the coming back of Jesus, the return of Christ. Now, guys, there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the first coming of Jesus. There's more prophecies in the New Testament concerning the second coming of Jesus than there are even the first coming. Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, nobody's gonna miss him. He's coming back and he's saying, enough, enough pain, enough suffering, enough. And he will enter into this thousand year reign of Christ called the millennium. The millennium will come and then there'll be the final judgment where Satan is condemned, thrown in the lake of fire and it's over. And then you come back to look at this, a new heaven and a new earth. Isn't that awesome? What's he doing? He's redeeming it. He's going back to creation, when it was all right, when it was all new, when everything was imperfect. Man was in right relationship with God, right relationship with one another, a new heaven and a new earth. Praise God, this is what we see, and this is what John's talking about right here. All right, you guys, if you're taking notes today, I'd love for you to write some things down because I think it's really important for all of us. So if you have a worship guide, you wanna write some notes down. If you're online, you wanna go to the Rolling Hills app, There's some blanks that you can fill in there on the app as we kind of understand eternity and what is to come. So check this out. Number one, God has a redemptive plan for this world and for each of us. That's what God's been doing. He's redeeming. He's restoring. He's making things new in the world and for each of us. You know, when, when sin entered in, right, there's death and decay. Before, when God created man, there wasn't death. All right, Adam and Eve, they had eternal life. I mean, they, they were there, right relationship with God. I mean, there wasn't decay, there wasn't brokenness, there wasn't these things in the garden. But when sin came in, all of a sudden, there is decay. You know, things in the world decay now. And a lot of people go, well, why is there bad things in the world? Well, you sin, okay. okay. But the bigger question is, why is there good things in the world? God. <laughs> God's at work, God's redeeming, God's restoring. The love of God is at work. There's a redemptive plan For God, see, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the antichrist is coming, even now many antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. We live in a fallen and broken world because of man's sin. And I bet if you're honest and you look at your own life and you go, oh man, yeah, I know. I've sinned, I've done some things, and I look back and those are the regret times. Those are the things when I knew God was saying, don't do that, and I did it. And I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Maybe you're still living with the consequences of those sins. But God is at work in the middle of this fallen, broken world. God is at work. The last hour refers to the time between Jesus' first coming and his second. So when Jesus came the first time, right, he came in his humility, came in grace as a suffering servant, taking on the sins of the world on the cross. When he comes the second time, he's coming in all of his power and all of his glory. Right, I mean, he is coming back. And so we're living in this time between the first and the second coming. And you're thinking, right, why doesn't Jesus just return now? I mean, there's a lot of pain in this world. I mean, there's pandemics and there's tornadoes and there's a lot of suffering. Why does he just return now? Hey, if you turn back kind of one page in your Bible, I'll tell you here, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter three. And it says this right here in verse eight. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. A lot of people get all caught up in creation. Was it actually seven days? We don't know, you know. God's bigger than time. I mean, literally, God's bigger than time. God created it all, he's bigger than time. The Lord, look at verse nine. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. Why doesn't Jesus just come back? Because there's people who don't know Christ yet. There's there's people, and aren't you thinking in your family and your friends and and people you know, and you're like, I want them to know Jesus because when Jesus returns, that's it. Right, it's over. And so for them to come to know Christ now, see, God is at work in the world, you guys. I don't know, I read the other day, we're in China, the underground church, there's so many people coming to know Christ. They're estimating by 2030 there'll be more Christians in China than in America. I mean, God is on the move. India, Iran, Iraq, there is a revival happening in the world. People are being drawn to the Lord, and God's going, hey, I'm going to send my son, but when I do, it's over, so I want all people to come to know me. Oh, thank God for his grace and his mercy, but you get ready because Jesus is coming. Hey, anti means against. So you notice there's the singular, there is the antichrist, right, that, that will be, and a lot of people get all caught up in that. Who, who is that antichrist? We'll, God will make it clear. I mean, you'll figure that out. But there's the plural, people who are against. And that's why there's persecution, that's why there's suffering, that's why there's challenges. We live in this world and people are like, I don't understand that, but notice this, this world is not our home. <laughs> this world's not our home. And when we begin to figure that out, man, it changes how we live. Because if we just live for this world and we just base our whole life on circumstances and when things are good, they're really good when things are hard, we're like, oh no, where are you, God? What happened? And God's going, oh, this, this world's not your home. You're here for a short time. Pour into others. Be generous. Be kind. Love. Jesus goes, I, I live so that you would know how to live. Hey, offer grace. Offer mercy. And one day, man, you will have eternity. You'll have eternity. You hold on. Here's what Jesus says. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. All of us will, right, we're all going, maybe you're going through a really tough time today, listen, God is with you, God is for In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, exclamation point. That's Jesus talking right there, I love that exclamation point. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus goes, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I am with you. I am for you. Yes, you live in a broken world, but my God is greater. All right, look at this one. We are in the end times. We are in the end times. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. Eternal life. As for you means that you should understand the end times are coming. A lot of times we live like, man, it's just this world. And so we buy a bunch of stuff or go into debt, we try to impress all these people or whatever, because we kind of live like this is the world, it's all that there is. He's going, no, 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 there is eternity to come, and what you do here impacts eternity. And if you and I begin to live in light of eternity, it changes the way we live here. I don't have to get stressed out about every little thing. I don't have to get concerned about every little thing. God's got this. I can be at peace. I can have a purpose. I can have meaning because I understand what it is to come. Don't overthink or overanalyze the end times, but realize that God has eternal life for you. There's a lot of people who get caught up in this, right? Oh, well, who is the antichrist, right? Everybody's trying to figure that out. And you can read all these things and it's, you know, either Hitler or Stalin or Mussolini, one of them, so maybe it's somebody who is to come. Who is that? It's somebody, maybe not in your political party, right? They're the the Antichrist, right? Everybody's trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. I was born in the 1900s. I know it's a long time ago, right? But I remember I was born back then. And so we had this thing called Y2K. Anybody remember Y2K, right? Y2K, right? The whole world freaked out. Everybody thought, oh man, all the computers are gonna go. This is it. And there were all these people that thought, Jesus is coming back in Y2K, right? This is it. And, and so everybody stocked up on water and had a little shelter, right? And then they went out to people like out, you know, west, went over to mountains in Las Vegas because they could get closer, I guess, when Jesus was going to return, right? I mean, there was this whole deal that happened. If you guys remember that, it was crazy. But there's still that whole thing that kind of goes on, even. You can get on the internet and there's people like, oh, Jesus is coming back right now. You know, you ready, you sell everything and do this. and Here's the mark of the beast, and this is it. And you're like, stop, 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 stop. We don't try to overanalyze all this. God's sovereignty is in control. You live how God called you to live. Offer grace, offer mercy, offer love, right? You don't have to try to figure it all out. Hey, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. So we look around and say, okay, if I'm living in this fallen broken world, how can I live for Christ? and not get caught up in all the things that are happening here. Look what Jesus says. Jesus himself tells us this in Mark chapter 13. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Jesus goes, I don't even know when I'm coming back next time. And God's gonna say, okay, it's time, and I'm gonna go. And so when you look online and there's people who say, Jesus is coming back on this date. You could go, well, God's probably like, okay, not anymore, right? I'm gonna move it, right? Because you thought that, there you go. So, I mean, he's like, come on, you know? But he says, be on your guard, be alert, be ready. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away, he leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. I mean, if Jesus were to come back tonight, are you ready? And if not, what do you need to do to be ready? What are the things in your life that you go, man, I I wanna be ready, I wanna be ready? Notice this, stay grounded in the truth. Guys, stay grounded in the truth. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. There, were, there will be false teachers. They had false teachers back then. Remember, he was refuting this whole heresy, Gnosticism. Gnosticism said, you know, the physical body's gonna wear out and decay and the spirit's gonna go on, so do whatever you want with your body. Hey, you know, and they're like, come on, stop. No, your body impacts, right? There's emotional, there's spiritual. Even today, there's false teachers out there. You gotta be grounded in the truth, in the word of God. Here's the thing, study God's word. God has given us his word. It's not like add-on things, or he's just given, he said, study this. You know, when John's talking, he said, hey, know the real truth, not the counterfeit. The treasury department, whenever they are training new analysts to identify counterfeit bills, you know what they do? They don't spend time going, hey, these are the best fake bills out there, okay? So study all these. What do they do? They say, study the real bill. Just study it, know it, and when you study this $100 bill or you study this bill and you know it, every detail, you'll be able to recognize a counterfeit real quick. Doesn't matter how good it is. You're just like, nope, I'm grounded in the truth, that's fake, I'm not gonna fall for that. That's the important part, right? That's why it's important to be a church. That's why it's important to study God's word and be in Bible study. have godly people around you who you say, hey, wait a minute, I heard this the other day, I read this the other day, and I was like, eh, and they go, no, that doesn't line up. That doesn't fit, doesn't make sense. There's a lot of cults out there. I mean, they like thinking, how do people fall in this stuff? But they're not grounded in the truth. You've got to study God's word. Hey, know who you are in Christ. You are a child of God. You've been redeemed, you've been restored. And God's given you His Word. Here's what it says in 2 like Timothy. All scripture is God breathed. I love that. God breathed like the Holy Spirit. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right? As you study God's Word, as you know God's Word, it just, man, you're equipped. I could share love, I could share grace, I could share the hope I have in Christ. Look at this, live a beautiful life for God. I mean, whatever time you have on this earth, right, the 80, 90, 100 years you get right here, live it all for the glory of God. Go all in, man. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, not if, because he's coming, when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed. I love those two words. Confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Every one of us is gonna stand before God, Every single one of us, right? We die in this present church age or whether Jesus comes back for his church, raptures us, if you read the Left Behind series, right? (laughs) Takes us home, right? I mean, whatever, at some point, we're all gonna stand there face to face with God. And we're gonna have to give an account of our lives. So grow in your relationship with Jesus. And so many times people are like, hey, I wanna grow my income, I wanna grow my wealth, I wanna grow my influence, I wanna grow my image, you know, I wanna get more likes on Twitter, well, you know, I, whatever it is, but it's like, hold on, why don't you grow in Jesus? And those things are fine, God will add stuff in your life, but trust him. In John chapter 15, Jesus says this, remain. Remain in me, remain, 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 remain. He says it like multiple times, right? He says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So remain in me. Hey, God is sovereign over all. So instead of trying to figure out the mark of the beast, instead of trying to figure out who the antichrist is, let's just fall more in love with God. Let's trust God. Let's hold on to God. Let's grow deeper in God. Let's be the men and women that God created us to be because he is sovereign over all. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Isn't that awesome? I don't have to figure out like, where I'm gonna be next year, or the next year. Or the other. Like God's gonna take care of all that. I'm just gonna hold on to him. God's got a bigger plan for my life than I do, right? God is sovereign and God loves me. Awesome. So now I'm just gonna live this beautiful life for however long I have on this earth. I'm gonna find grace and peace and hope and mercy in him and him alone. Hey, last week there was a golf tournament that happened, right, it was on the PGA Tour and a guy named Stuart Sink won this golf tournament, and Stuart Sink is 47 years old. So a lot of people, like in the golf world, think that's ancient. I think he's pretty young, I think he's like spry young guy, but, but here a lot of people thought, man, yeah, this guy's 47, like how in the world, right, did he win this tournament? He had a great start Thursday and Friday, they thought, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna fade, he's old, he's not gonna be able to make it, but somehow, 47, unbelievable, right? He held on, he held on. And he won. And so, here's his post-interview, right? After he won, it's just like a minute and a half. But I want you to listen to this because I think it's so powerful. So check this out, watch this. Nice going, congratulations. Thanks. Uh, I, was, I was talking to uh, Kevin Streelman a little bit about how in golf, sometimes the, the, when, you're thing, when things in your life are really, really lining up nicely and you feel very at peace and content and a lot of gratitude, and joy, um, that it somehow sort of translates into the golf. Um, to what extent is that happening with you right now? And, and to what extent does that explain this, this run that you're on at 47?
2: Oh, uh, it's a big part of it for sure. Um, and certainly I believe that Kevin Streelman's right when he says that about having uh, peace and joy in your life leads to a more peaceful and joyful golfer. And that leads to better scores. Um, but, uh, it's, The thing about me and my family, with uh, with the peace and joy we experience, it's not something that just we wait for the circumstances to line up like the planets or some you know signs or tea leaves or something. You know, we install our own um, peace and joy because of our faith in Jesus Christ, basically, and that is the number one tenet of my life, and uh, it enables me to feel peaceful and joyful even when the golf ball is not agreeing with my club face and not going in the hole. Um, I don't seek peace and joy out of golf because I know I can never depend on it to fully sustain that kind of peace and joy that I'm looking for. And it's too low of a target. And so, um, the joy and peace, I feel on the golf course is, um, it's something that's that stems from something far different than golf and golf happens to benefit from it. But golf is not the end goal for me. Um, I love playing and winning and having a week like this is just amazing. But, uh, the peace and joy that we experience and it's available to everybody is something that you don't have to wait for the circumstances, the worm to turn, so to speak. You know, it's, it's there and, and that's what we choose to go for.
1: I love that. Isn't that great? I mean, you know, I mean, here he is right in front of everybody. Just wins a million plus dollars. He's like, hey, guys, listen, 10 of my life is Jesus Christ. That's where my joy and peace comes from. I'm great that I can win a golf tournament. Man, golf may be gone tomorrow. I may not hit the ball well. I may not make a putt, but, but it's Jesus. And I love that for every one of us, right? Our circumstances change. Sometimes things are great at school. And other times they're hard. Sometimes you get the deal. Sometimes you don't, you know? Sometimes things are going great in your marriage or your family. Sometimes it's a challenge. But for us to say, I am grounded in Christ, that's where my joy and my peace and my purpose comes from. That changes Everything. That impacts how we live. Oh, it's so good. All right, just a couple closing thoughts, just concluding thoughts on understanding eternity from 1 John 2. Look at this. We are closer to Jesus' return than ever before. People come up and say, Pastor Jeff, do you think this is the end times? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, but we're closer than ever before. I'll tell you that, right? Because Jesus is coming. I mean, used to, right, when people would think, like, how's that going to happen? I mean. You know, they would fight with swords. They would fight with guns. Now we can kind of see we can destroy the earth, right? Pretty quick. I mean, you know, this thing could happen. Jesus is really coming, and the question is, am I ready? And the question is, am I living for the things that matter because He is coming? There's more prophecies concerning His second coming than His first. Jesus is coming. Are we ready? Hey, two, think about all the good that is coming. Instead of, sometimes people think about the end times, they get like all worked about. No, 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 think about eternity. Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Then in heaven, God has a place for you. In heaven, there are jobs for us to do. Do you know that? He says, if you're faithful here, I'll give you more things there. I mean, I love that. (laughs) Some of us, right, there's people that we love who've gone on before us. We miss them. You know, my dad's already there. I can't wait to see him again. I can't wait to not have a concept of time and be able to spend eternity with people you love. I can't wait to be in heaven and there's no sin, there's no pain, no, it's gonna be awesome. Think about the good that's gonna happen and live in that confidence, live in that confidence. Hey, share Jesus with others. You know, when we get to heaven, we can't share Jesus because everybody's a Christ follower there, right? I mean, you can. We'll have awesome worship times, but but man, there is gonna be amazing. But, but here, now, today, this is our time. And we talk a lot about sports. We talk a lot about the weather. We talk about a lot of shopping or whatever else. But, but are we talking about Jesus? Are we inviting people to church? Are we encouraging them? Are we praying with people? Because this is our time. We only have 70, 80, 90, 100 years. That's it. I mean, like, so use it and invest in the things that matter. Hey, be sure your own heart is ready. Guys, be sure your own heart is ready. I mean, if Jesus were to come back tonight, would you be ready? Because I want to tell you, every one of us, we're going to stand before God he's going to ask us two questions. One, he's going to say, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Every one of us has to give an answer, right? I accepted Christ, I made that great confession, Jesus is Lord, or I was against Christ. I, I, was, I was against, maybe I was around, but man, I wasn't invested. I didn't give my heart, I didn't follow Jesus the second question is gonna say, what did you do with what you were given? We're all stewards, right? We've all been entrusted with the things of God, and are we using those to build our own kingdom or are we using those to further God's kingdom? Are we using those to make a difference and to bless other people just like we've been blessed and to share God's love and God's grace? Hey, hey, be sure your heart is ready. Be sure, because it could be tonight, right? We don't know. Or it could be 50 years or 100 years, but at some point, man, just make sure you're ready. Hey, don't live in fear, but live in faith. Don't live in fear. You know, you know the media is all about fear. It's so fear-based on everything, and, and that can translate into us. But when we start as Christ followers, knowing what God says about us, knowing who we are in Christ, man, there is faith that comes. God's got a bigger plan. God's got a bigger purpose, and I want to hold on to him. You know, the apostle John? <laughs> this is pretty amazing, but, but this is the guy that God said to him, and maybe he was on the island of Patmos, we're not sure where it happened, but but the whole book of Revelation was written by John because there came a point where God says, hey, let me just pull back the curtain a little bit, John, and you look in and you write it down because I want people to know what's gonna happen. I want people to understand it. And so John has this revelation, right? And here's what he writes in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And God redeems it. God restores it for the first heaven, the sinful and the first earth, the sin has passed away. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Think about that. Whatever tears you've had, whatever struggles you've faced, God will wipe away every tear as he welcomes you in. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That's what God's doing. That's what God's doing in your life. That's what God's doing in the world. That's why when you accept Christ, you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. That God is redeeming you. And God's got an incredible plan for you. Would you trust Him today? Would you hold on to Him today? I don't know where you are today in your spiritual life. But I don't wanna tell you, make this a marker. Say, God, I wanna be ready. Maybe today's a day of salvation for you and say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus Christ is Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Maybe today God's saying, hey, it's time to be baptized. <laughs> it's time to take that step of faith. Maybe God's saying, join the church, right? Because I'm coming back for the church. <laughs> the church is the bride of Christ. Maybe God's saying, hey, there's somebody I want you to share Christ with. There's somebody I want you to pray for. Maybe it's discipling your own family. I don't know, but I know this, God's here. Right here, right now. And God loves you with an everlasting love. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Just for a moment. I don't know where you are, Would you be honest with God today? If you were to come back, are you ready? Not that you're perfect or anything, but maybe there's an area you just go, I need to confess. Maybe it's salvation. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive my sins, redeem me, restore me. Maybe there's somebody you need to pray for right now. So Father God, this holy moment, you are here. I pray, Father, you would speak to every one of our hearts. God, that we know that you're coming for us. And we know one day when we die, we will stand face to face before you. And I pray every one of us, God, would hear you say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. So right now, God, we commit our lives to you. You're our savior, our king, our Lord. In whose name we pray, amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date with what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.